Well, it's time to say the snow is falling on the hay. I've never been good at um, kind of Christmas type stuff. And uh, although I did learn the names of all the reindeer the other day, so I'm in the festive mood. Hello, you're listening to the Net Hero podcast. I'm Simit Bose, and this is our last episode of the year because um, we and all the future Net Zero elves have got to go and get some sleep. So we've had a hectic year. It's been full on, especially with COP. So uh, this will be our last episode. And what an episode it is. I'm going to introduce you to an incredible lady. Um, Her name's Katie Cross, and she's a former PE teacher who's come up with an idea which I think is brilliant. It's called Pledge Ball, and it's about how we can get not just young people, but anyone in the world of sport, particularly sport, but it can apply in other sectors, um, getting committed to do something around climate change. It's something she came up with in her own brain. She's not backed by any charity or funding or whatever. She's starting her own thing. She's not part of some eco group, uh, although she was an Extinction Rebellion. So it's a very interesting tale. I think it really shows that what I really wanted out of this podcast is it's not just a story of you know CEOs and, and great names and big people doing big things. It's all about people in society doing things too. And Katie really is an inspiration. So have a listen to this chat. If you've heard of Dodgeball, well now... There's something called Pledge Ball. Katie, hello. Hi. That was a nice introduction. Thanks. I love that movie. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) What what is Pledge Ball? Pledge Ball is a way of rallying existing communities to take climate action. And primarily football, the football community. In what way? So the way in which it works with Pledge Ball is, with football, sorry, is that it asks football fans to make sustainable lifestyle choices in support of their clubs. Now, this sounds like a very, very easy thing to do. And it is a very easy thing to do. That's the point. It's got a very low barrier to engagement. But what Pledge Ball does, and it's proven to have done this through research, is that it shifts people's relationship with climate change. So a very large majority of people feel really alienated by climate activists. They feel really immobilised in the face of climate change because it's such an enormous problem. And people have no idea where to start. And what Pledgeable does is it shifts people's relationship with this. So they realise that they are part of a collective and they can see that the impact that they can have as part of a collective. And it makes them therefore feel as though climate change is something that they can actually tackle, which they clearly can, but, but it's not visible normally. So give me the background to it. I mean, there was never a plan to make this what it has become. It started very insidiously. I, I play football with a women's squad in Bristol. Right. Um, it's quite a big casual league there. And initially it began with them. I, I'd volunteered a bit for Extinction Rebellion and I'd experienced, you know, people's responses to Extinction Rebellion in the street. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm eternally grateful to Extinction Rebellion because, you know, the campaigning side of things is absolutely crucial But I also realised that we needed something else to get the majority on board because it would make things easier, both in terms of directly reducing emissions, but also in terms of bringing about a shift in structures, in organisations and governments. And so Pledgeable came about because I looked at what we could do as individuals and shared that with my football team. And when you look at individual changes and feed that into football statistics, the direct impact on carbon emissions is empowering. So, for example, one of our partners is Bristol City. Their stadium, Ashton Gate, has a capacity of 27,000. 
if 27,000 people simply reduce their shower time to five minutes, the yeah. amount of carbon emissions saved equates to taking over 2,000 cars off the road. So that in itself is empowering. And then it went from there, really, with, with my football team, the Misfits, we set up a tournament, which was a five-a-side tournament, and the only entry fee was to make a pledge and there was a prize for the team of fans that pledged to save, sorry, the team that pledged to save the most emissions and a prize for the team that obviously scored the most goals. So, so the pledge can be anything. It's not not like I'm going to do 100 keepy-uppies or something like that. <laughs> no. So the pledges are all sustainable lifestyle pledges. So right. the moment I'm, I'm the going to eat less meat or I'm going to exactly. take a tube stop earlier or things like that. Exactly right. So they range from things like using a reusable cup, as small as that, uh, all the way up to going vegan or installing solar panels. So this it's accessible to everyone. And what people have found going on there is that actually they already do a number of these things, but they didn't realise that they're impactful. And it then makes, makes the impact of that visible. But also there's a whole load of other things that they can actually very easily undertake, but maybe they didn't realise that it had such an impact either. So uh, what's your background? I mean, you said about, are you, a, are you an environmentalist, a scientist? What's, what's your actual background? Uh, no, I, I was a biology teacher, actually, a science teacher. And I, uh, yeah, I was ahead of year and I ended up working quite a lot with um, kids at risk of exclusion. Right. And I then worked for a charity called Kids Company. And I ran... Oh, I know them, yes, yes. Yeah, so I ran a centre for them in Bristol for young people who'd been excluded from school. Camilla Batman, something or other. That's all right. Yeah. That's it. Right. She was a colourful character. I remember her very well. So, so you, uh, you're not a PE teacher. I'm not a PE teacher. No. You're not. Uh, I, I should have been a PE teacher. You should have been a PE teacher. Absolutely. <laughs> my, my biology teacher was the most unfit person I've ever known. He was brilliant. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was a great biology teacher. But uh, he, used to, he he liked the biology of ales. So uh, yeast was his his preference. <laughs> Getting it. Um, I'm just trying to get where this comes from. So. Obviously, you're a teacher, you've dealt with kids, you can see young people. And this is a very interesting point that you said about kind of, you know, you, when you were part of XR, because when we were up at COP, um, met some great young people who said, Greta is not me, right? Greta is a tiny percentage of a tiny percentage of very active young people who are there. The vast majority may agree with the goals, but they're not in that world. They don't want to be seen in that way. They want to enjoy their fashion. They want to enjoy their clubbing and going out, but that doesn't mean they're not environmentally conscious. So just take me back a step when you said the reaction to you being XR made you think about doing something different. To, you said to bring everyone on board. How do you mean? So when I was, for example, um, just trying to speak with people during one of the XR protests in Bristol when they'd close on the roads, and you engage people, or you try to engage them, and the responses were generally pretty hostile. Of course. Yeah. We've seen it. that with Insulate Britain as well, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly right. But if you boil it down to simple questions about things that people care about, like family, like football, all of these things are going to be impacted by climate change. And so everybody would obviously like to protect those things, but they don't feel that there's no method really for them engaging with that at the moment or taking action. And so pledge ball is basically that gateway in showing them, you know, or allowing them to explore really it's, it's not making them objects of change. It's completely voluntary and they can choose what actions they want to take. We're all on this journey together. I've, you know, I'm constantly at the moment, I'm trying to <laughs> go vegan. Uh, it's not me preaching to anybody. It's just saying, this is what we could do. And then trying to get people through the door that way. 
to then decide where they want to go from there. So for some people that may well lead to campaigning and certainly yeah. the research that we did, a lot of people did say they were then more willing to engage with, for example, news reports about climate change, whereas before they'd shy away from them because essentially it was too overwhelming, like I mentioned before. I, I like, I mean, I'm on your site now, so a nice bit of plug, pledgeball.org, right, is, is the site, isn't it, right? It is, and yeah. <laughs> you've got these, these, I like this line, it's very good, Katie. Here's our ever-growing list of pledges, right? And you've got things like, uh, which are quite interesting, so uh, use a shampoo bar. I've never even heard of a shampoo bar. What is that instead of a bottle? Use recycled <laughs> toilet paper. I do that. Reduce your meat consumption. Wash at 30 degrees. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, keep charges, TVs and computers off at the wall. Now, my mum, it's really funny, my, my mum's right now, actually, I was recording this. She's obsessed with that. But obviously, I grew up with, yeah, I should do that. But then I didn't say, so this is quite interesting. But you've got a list here of people making their pledges, and you've got things like uh, paint an arb- a carbon offset tree, plant some trees, go vegan one day a week, plant your own vegetable garden. So what you're trying to do is, I, I, I get the idea, is you're trying to say to people, take a little step. Exactly. And I mean, only if they want to. But it's exactly right. It's about saying, try it out. Because actually, the human reaction to change is automatically defensive. Nobody yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But actually, and I think that gets worse apparently as you get older. Yeah, it definitely people, does. <laughs> people really do find that when they start to experiment with these things, actually, they quite liked it. You know, again, this was, this was the feedback we got. People realised that... And this wasn't just in relation to uh, change to do with the environment, but actually when people participate in Pledge Ball, they said that their relationship to change differed. So whereas they thought things were really difficult to approach before, it was too much of an overwhelming problem, they didn't want to go there. Actually, they felt that they could do little things. So yes, it's about introducing the small changes that people could make to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Why have you centred it around sport, uh, you know, as the core? I mean, initially, there was no thinking behind this other than I set it up with my football team. And... No, I like it. I like it. This is good. <laughs> the honesty is good, Katie. <laughs> However, I then was lucky enough to meet this quite amazing woman called Jenny Aman, who she was doing her master's in global studies at the University of Gothenburg when I launched with our pilot club in Brighton, a club called Whitehawk FC. And if you haven't seen Whitehawk FC, I'd recommend going down to see them because... Going to one of their games is just really fun. You, the really? whole spectators change ends at half time. You, you know, because it's non-league, you get to take beer. <laughs> um, you, get, really you, get, you get to tell the, the players what they what you actually think of them, right? Because I like non, <laughs> yeah. I love non-league. Yeah. So, so you met her. She, she's what? She's a scientist, is she? No, she's not a scientist. She did. Um, she was a master's student in global studies, and she was interned to a research fellow at the University of Brighton called Dr. Mark Deutsch, who is an international expert in football fandom. And I'd approached him because I wanted to check that what we were doing actually worked because it was something that just came up in my own head. (laughs) I had no idea about whether this actually worked. So I wanted him to help me design a piece of research to assess the impact of Pledge Ball. And he said, well, I've actually got this girl, Jenny, who's approached me and she's really interested in linking mobilizing football fans and climate change because football fans have been mobilized around other things. You know, they've been mobilized around anti-racism, around... And the European Super League was a really good example. And, you know, she was really interested in looking at mobilising around climate. So she actually carried out her master's thesis on mobilising football fans and on the impact of Pledge Ball at this pilot club, Whitehawk. And so this was where we we were able to look at why mobilising football fans is actually has such enormous potential. And she essentially validated 
<laughs> what I was doing. So the reason why sport is because people are engaged really regularly with this. Yeah. And they're engaged yeah. with emotion. And that's really key if you're going to bring about change. Yeah, no laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it I can't support, be something I, you're I, I support a terrible club called Leighton Orient. So we, we are one of those ones <laughs> yeah. where emotion is, is, you don't get anything else. You get that one win in, the, in 12 that you go, yes, that's it. But the, the rest <laughs> of the time is misery. But, 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 um, but you're united in your misery, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. That's very true. That's true. Um, so in terms of what you've done with the club, let's just start on the, on the club level first. So what sort of pledges have your fellow players made or the club itself made? Obviously, we aim at engaging the fans because that's where there sure. is a real potential sure, sure. change. I mean, you know, when you look at sustainable clubs, for example, on average, the carbon emissions for a single match day fixture, 70% of those come from fan travel. So if you can, oh, um, yeah. if, if fans can influence their travel outside of match day, the direct impact on reducing carbon emissions is significant. Also, obviously, as I said, it's a huge collective, this fan collective. And so if we can all participate in this, we can have a, a massive impact. But the club actually followed. So a number of the Hawks fans made a variety of pledges. There was one <laughs> lovely guy who told me that he was going to make up a song that was exactly five minutes that he would sing in the shower to make sure that he would just take five minutes <laughs> on. Um, they made a variety of pledges, the most popular ones being the five-minute showers, being learning yeah. to recycle properly. What else was there? Um, vegetable garden was quite popular, actually. Yeah. But actually, the club then followed. So they have and are implementing certain measures to make themselves more sustainable. And this wasn't something that we asked them to do. It was something they then became more aware about. So, for example, their shirt for this season they are keeping for two seasons and i know um brentford recently said this yeah that's right yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) back back last year but they also their shirts are made of recycled plastic bottles um and they did that again just before i think it was chelsea who announced it so they've done that they've also introduced reusable cups and they're talking to the council about getting um electric bike points at the stadiums that people can cycle to the ground um there's a group of fans who are looking to see if they can get bees kept in some of the space next to the stadium. So there's been quite a lot of changes happen since the fans got engaged at Whitehall. I love the West Country. It's <laughs> That's not the West Country, is it? It is, it is for me. Br- Br- <laughs> Bristol's the West Country. My, my oh, Bristol's anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let, let's have a look at where this is, right? So people often quote, quote a team in, in my league, Forest Green Rovers, you know, their owner owns electricity, they do vegan food, it's all renewably powered. We've just had the Chelsea Spurs game as the first sort of big net zero game. Mm-hmm. And obviously you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that unites race, gender, sexuality is, is football. And not just football, other sports. It's one of those things, I suppose, that we we've sort of, we don't really look at it in the same way. You know, we look at kind of the plastic bags in our shopping and uh, maybe, you know, the, the smoke coming out of petrol cars and go, well, I want to go electric and all that. But we never really think about kind of, you know, our stadiums and where our kids go and play sports or where we go swimming or any of those things. But there's a huge energy footprint for all our leisure activities. Um, did any of this, I know you said you didn't really think about it, but did, has any of this come into your mind to think that actually... The, the sector of the leisure side of it, the sports side of it, is actually quite a significant sector where we can directly affect it. Because as you say, if fans want something, then generally the bosses change. Absolutely. 
you're exactly right. And I mean, you're touching upon a huge iceberg here because actually the carbon emissions of football is significant. Uh, there's an incredible um, report I'd highly recommend reading written by um, a group called the Rapid Transition Alliance and an academic called David Goldblatt called Playing Against the Clock. And recently, actually, there was a documentary of the same name, um, yeah. Sport, about the carbon impact of football, but also the impact of climate on football. You know, there's, <laughs> there is a significant proportion of clubs who, if we carry on as we are going, will be underwater by 2050, and many sooner than that. You look at the number of cancellations due to adverse weather effects and all of us are feeling the impact of climate change now and it's only going to get more and more but you're right I mean if fans call for change the clubs will eventually follow and there are already clubs who are taking steps as you mentioned Forest Green Rovers are a prime example you know the greenest club in the world and there are many other other clubs who are starting out on this journey there's another partner of ours called Shoreham FC who recently won an award from the British Association for Sustainability in Sport because even as a non-league club, they've yeah. decided and taken it upon themselves to make a number of significant sustainable changes to green their club. And they've taken the initiative on that. No one's driven it. As a non-league club, a lot of their work depends on volunteers, but they've made incredible changes there. And not only does it mean that they're directly reducing their carbon emissions as a club, but also it's about the visibility and the message that's taken then to fans. You, you, you're doing this, I can say, I mean, I assume it's not a business as such, is it? I mean, this is, this is your kind we're of passion. Charity. Yeah, we're a registered yeah. charity. Yeah, and I've seen some of the things here that, again, as I say, I'd encourage people to go to the website, pledge, pledgeball.org. I'm doing a lot of plugging for you here, Kate. I know. If you could just keep saying every few Can I just keep saying your pledgeball? <laughs> <I'm okay. laughs> you've got here, for example, previous uh, events, which is quite interesting, I've looked at. So Bristol Bears versus Saracens, mm-hmm. Ashton Gate Stadium. Uh, you said total carbon saved by pledges for this, uh, 34,000-odd uh, kilograms, equivalent to taking seven cars. Now, in terms of how do you quantify this? How do you quantify w- w- how much carbon is saved by the pledges? That's a very good question. So we work it out using a lot of uh, data, basically, that's available. I mean, it's absolutely impossible to get yeah, an course, accurate assessment of, firstly, the carbon impact of a single a single lifestyle choice but also when you're looking at individuals so we we have to work it out based on averages you know the average family uses this amount of electricity to a green energy supplier this is how much they'd save so i mean as mike berners lee who's an expert in the field of carbon calculating says you would not use a map because it's inaccurate you know this is an accurate map but it gives you an indication yeah, sure. And so that's what we do. We give an indication of it. We don't ask for any verification either because no. that would be a barrier to entry. And because, no. you know, if you provided any verification, it would be, for example, a photo, but that's a snapshot in time. Yeah. What we want is people to join us on this journey of being more aware of our impact so that essentially we kind of operate under the theory of leave no trace. And so we leave it up to people. It's essentially putting, you know, trust in them. This is what you could do. Would you like to do it? And then we, we just use the averages as a, as a marker really to show the potential amount that we have saved by making these sustainable lifestyle changes what's great is you you've got quite a few clubs in. you've got some big names manchester united you've got you've got charlton yeah you've got huddersfield i should point out that not all of those a number of those clubs but not all of them are partners because no, it's, it's open to everybody so charlton no, are sure. partners um yeah. huddersfield Transport association yeah are you trying to get clubs to start to do this? Then basically, that's the idea. Absolutely. I mean, the way in which this would work best is if it was integrated into a league. 
because it's yeah. such an easy part of the match day experience. You know, you go to the game, you've got your tickets, you pick up a drink, you make your pledge because you basically want to beat the opposition. You'd like to climb the pledgeable league, but also our partners tend to offer prizes so that mm-hmm. you also enter a prize draw in that. And it means that then you can see, obviously, as I said, the collective impact. So yes, the ideal is that the clubs get on board with this and they just push it themselves from their own platforms, but also the supporters associations. I mean, the supporters associations are the ones that drive, they're in the community. You know, if you're going to get real change, you need peer-to-peer engagement. You need, mm. you know, people talking about it who you feel safe with and you normally have conversations with. Yeah. And so really, if we can have advocates from clubs who are fans of those clubs come on and say, I'd like to go and promote this amongst the fan group here, you know, I want to try and push this with the club support so they could retweet what they're doing. That's where you're going to get real change because I don't know people's communities. You know, I don't exist in those spaces, but as you mentioned earlier, every single person has their own sphere of influence. And if you, if these people within the communities can advocate for pledge ball, that's when you're going to get these changes because the conversations about climate change are then introduced into these spheres where people feel comfortable and can happily ask questions and can explore making more sustainable lifestyle choices um, you've got kids i know um i don't know if they're old enough to be aware of any of this stuff but you know children are very different now <laughs> certainly to when i was a kid um <laughs> decades ago but you you can see that kids are aware of things and even in my house the the little one we've got two bins right and i never had that with my older son but now i've got two bins which is the, the, the bin with all the food waste and then the kind of plastics going in there and he knows that goes in the white plastic bin they're learning things from school they're they're having lessons around this you're a teacher by background you know the school um do you think that the the younger kids buy into this because that's a real big thing especially in lower league football people don't understand how much you know you can't afford to take your kids to premier league games unless you're loaded right so the the first introduction to sport generally is a local club which is you know free for kids or a fiver for a kid and all of that stuff there's a real kind of you know bedrock there could really take this up couldn't they with with, with younger people absolutely i mean i i this is a hard one for me because i feel that a lot of onus is placed on young people yes that's true. Of, that's true um they aren't decision makers right now and they're a very easy access point you know you can access them through schools and if you are if you want them to participate in something they're much more likely to participate in it than an adult but and they're going to be the ones who feel the effect of climate change and they don't have the power at the moment to make a change so whilst their education is absolutely key around this they need us as parents to make the changes now to you know take responsibility for this so that they will obviously support us with it and I think personally we'll feel quite grateful around it I mean my children I try to steer away from talking about a lot of this with them to be honest because you know one's here from their mum Katie that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) but luckily they're still at the age where they think that I am the bee's knees of course (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that last much longer but it's more that I don't want them to be burdened with it it's not you know I, f- I feel really protective over that. And, you know, you hear a lot about the eco-anxiety that young people feel. And I have yes. I completely understand that because essentially they feel that a lot of these decisions, a lot of the structures that exist that, you know, create all these issues, they don't have any control over changing. 
And so I think the really, ama really amazing thing with the football fan community is that we can not only, as I said, make a significant reduction in carbon emissions, but we can actually drive change that our kids need to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, well, I think it's important and great that they will be introduced to it by the local football club, for example. Actually, I think what is better for them is the fact that they will see their parents taking action um, and, and this focal point of the community, this football club, also making those changes. Where do you want this to go? <laughs> um, well, I'd like it to be integrated into all leagues. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd like advocates from every single community to say, actually, do you know what? I really want to promote this within my community and I want to start these conversations happening there because it's a really easily scalable model. And I, people know their communities best, as I said before. And there are so many people out there taking climate action, but we don't see them all linked up. We, you can't see that collective impact. And so a lot of them feel very alone. But actually, if we, say, could create a map of all the clubs where we have advocates pushing pledge ball, encouraging fans to compete against each other, then we'd see that we're not alone in this and that we're all driving this collective change. I love it, Katie. I think it's a great idea. Um, uh, after we record this, I'll, I'll be uh, getting here some details of my club and because they're, they're very keen on things like that. They've just started doing some stuff around the environment. And I think it's, what, what I've really liked about it is it's, you know, we talk about this being the Net Hero podcast and it's about, you know, you don't have to be a big company to do something. You can just get on and do it. And I think what you've created with Pledge Ball is, is a great... Uh, story i wish you all the best with it thanks very much for talking to us and uh just one last plug so if they want to get involved it's pledgeable.org and what can they contact you make your pledge as a loan or get together with friends what would you suggest i would love them to contact us so our email is info at pledgeable.org yep. um, and also please do follow us on socials um at the moment we've got a lovely um kind of christmas green christmas guideline going out so on instagram we're at pledge underscore ball and on twitter we're at pledge ball 12 but please do contact us katie wish you luck with it all it's brilliant thanks very much for joining us on the net hero podcast thank you very much for having me it's been a real pleasure i wish you all the luck i think it's great pledgeball.org go and have a look at it check out sign up do something in your society in your area it doesn't matter whether it's sport or something else a brilliant thing uh, I did tell you at the beginning, I knew the names of the reindeer. I'm not really, but I sort of uh, took my little one to see Santa. He wasn't an eco-Santa, but he was wearing a mask. So maybe that's the, the future of Santa. And it is, in this order, Vixen Cupid, Comet Dancer, Dasher Blitzen, Donna Prancer, Rudolph. Not bad, eh? There you go. Um, what can I say? It's been a pleasure doing this series. We will continue to do so in the new year. My highlights have been uh, the conversations with people from all around the world. We had uh, the the team at uh, Jack's Solar Garden doing the stuff in Colorado. We had uh, people doing things with uh, recycling leather. We've had conversations around COP. I met all those people at COP from around the world. Uh, been fantastic visiting people, chatting to them, meeting people in the city, meeting people in the world government and we'll be bringing you much more next year my aim is for this to grow 
into a real kind of, you know, fixture for you. If you're interested in the world of net zero, there'll be so much happening next year. I'm telling you now, because we've had COP, we've had a lot of things this year, but we are now moving into the phase of doing. Yeah, 2022 is eight years from 2030, where we know we have to do a lot of the heavy lifting before we even think about reaching the target of 2050. So the next eight years is gonna be huge. And I think this coming year, we will see whether actually all the talk of 21 comes into action. So all that remains for me to say is thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Rob Murray for doing the production, although he grumbles and moans through it all. You might as well say something, Rob, because you moan all the time anyway. Do you want to say anything? No, 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 no. There you go. What a professional he is. Thanks to Harry for promoting everything online and the entire team. Have a great Christmas. Stay safe. Have a fantastic New Year. And we'll see you on, well, I think sometime in January. I won't commit myself to a date because it depends on how much uh, mince pies and champagne I've drunk. But uh, we will be back in January with the Net Hero podcast. I'm Super Bose. Thanks for listening. Remember, for everything Net Zero, go to futurenetzero.com. Look after yourselves. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.